0: I greet you all, wherever you may be, and thank you again for joining us. Before we get into the Word of God, there's one simple favor I would like to ask you to do for us. I'd like you to post on Facebook or send a message to us on uh, the WhatsApp uh, Church WhatsApp group just to tell us one thing that you are thankful to God for. What is the thing that you are most thankful or full of thanks to God for? It may be your, your family, your spouse your job, your work, your, your food on the table, whatever it may be, what is the one thing that you are thankful to God for? The Bible tells us and encourages, encourages us to, to, to be thankful and to always give thanks. What God has done in secret, let's go up on the mountaintops and give thanks to God and shout it out. In Revelations 12 verse 11, it says they overcame him by the by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What is your testimony? What is that thing that you are thankful to God for? I would like all of us, as many as can, just send a message and post it or send a message on WhatsApp just to to shout out aloud what God has done for you. The one thing I know that we are all thankful to God for is what Jesus Christ did for us on, on the cross, the death and resurrection. And as we go into this week, we, we, we can have communion as, as family, by yourself, or f- as friends, um, just to remember Jesus Christ for what he did, and just remember and be thankful for everything that he has done for us. And today's, today's song that we're going to be singing, it says the following words. The chorus says, I give thanks for all you have done. I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. So what is that thing that you are grateful for? As we worship God, this song is will, will not really take us into the, the place of worship to God because our hearts and our souls should be the ones that are always thankful. And this song will just be an expression of what our hearts already have. So before we get into the word of God, let me pray. Father, I give you thanks and praise. I thank you, Father God, for everything that you have done for us, Lord God. I thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, Lord God. I thank you for the word. I thank you, Lord God, for everything that you continue to do for us. And for all the people, Father God, that will listen to this message, I thank you, Father, for blessing them and, Father, for continuing to be with them. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes. I won't complain For all my hope Is in your name And now your joy Awaits my praise I give thanks For all you have done And I will sing of your mercy and your love Your love isn't failing Lord I am great Down, You brought me out. You set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. Your faithfulness, my solid rock. I give thanks for all You have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love your love isn't failing lord i am grateful i give thanks for all you have done and i will sing of your mercy and your love your love isn't failing lord i am grateful as we lift our hands the heavens open, heavens open So let our lives declare the love our God has spoken over us And as we lift our hands the heavens open, heavens open so let our lives declare the love our God has spoken over us. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is failing, Lord. I am grateful, I give thanks all you have done and i will sing of your mercy and your love your love isn't failing lord i am
2: the most disappointing things in life is often found in the fact that we invite people to special moments and special events, and they never reply, or they never even arrive. (laughs) And so tonight, as we continue with our series on being with Jesus and uh, taking a look at Elisha's room, I want to talk to you about that, because often in life, we, we have these incredibly special moments that we are invited to special events that people invite us for, and we would like for them to enjoy with us. And often you find that people don't respond. And so as we look at, um, we have been looking at the bed, and that indicated the rest that God has for us, and the fact that we need to rest ourselves. Tonight we're going to be talking about the chair. And some weeks ago, when we introduced this whole concept to you from Elisha's room, the items in it being the, the bed, the chair, the table, and the lamp, the thing that we spoke about and we referred to about the chair is that it's an invitation. It's a place that we need to come and occupy that's, in a sense, specially created for us. And so hence this whole introduction about invitations is that there's an invitation for us that actually God gives For you and me to come and respond to. And so tonight's message simply is the invitations of Jesus. And we're going to look at a few of those. There there are so many to actually look at. and We're never going to have enough time to do that. But I want to just intro this whole thing firstly by saying that the whole Bible is actually full of these kind of invitations by God and from God. And we're going to be particularly looking at at two by Jesus. But we, we see that even right from the beginning. Adam and Eve were invited into this intimate walk with God. We see after that that Abraham was invited to lead um, his people into a place that God wanted to create for the tribe of Israel, the people of Israel to eventually occupy. We see later that Moses was invited to lead his people back to this promised land that actually Abraham years ago before that had created. We see that God invited David To to be a king that will serve his people. And will set up the kingdom uh, in that land called um, Israel. We see that throughout the whole of the Old Testament, various people called prophets were invited to listen to God's voice. And through that, guide the people closer and back to God. And so when Jesus appears on earth, after the whole introduction of how God used people and how he invited them, we see that Jesus comes and he does the very same thing. When he appears on the scene, that same pattern continues. He just simply invites people. And uh, many of them respond favorably. Unfortunately, many don't. And and I guess that's life. That's why I said to you initially, we have this world that we're living in where you may have been invited to an event, and perhaps you didn't even respond. In my culture, it's of such that when you get invited, you you ought to respond with an "Hey, I'm coming" or "Hey, I can't make it." And um, and often we find the interesting phenomena that people just don't don't respond. And 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 it seems like Jesus in in how he presents these invitations, not to a moment, and we'll talk about that soon. When he presents these invitations, he never forces people to. He says, come. And so our journey today is to look at these invitations he offers by by simply just referring back to this chair. Remember we said that when you are invited to a special event, often there's a chair that's allocated for you. And hence us using the chair to symbolize this thing that Jesus invites us to something. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. So just before we get to Jesus' invitation specifically, I want to just talk to you about some general thoughts about this, that how he makes them and why they're there. So when Jesus, when he invites us, it's not just about enjoying a moment with him. It's more than just occupying a place or a seat for just a short time. It will be about coming alongside him to know him. So, it's much more than just that moment. Have you taken your seats? Have you occupied the place that you should occupy? It is about a walk with Him, it's an invitation to enjoy life with Him. And these create opportunities to become um, a new kind of person. As we involve ourselves in this invitation, as we, as we submit to it and respond to it, we're actually creating an opportunity for us to become a different person that will hopefully look more like him. So this invitation also does not just require a once-off response. We're like, oh yeah, I got it. Thank you, Jesus. I read it and I've responded 10 years ago. Actual fact, it should start somewhere. And I do want to encourage you, if you've never responded to Jesus and the salvation call, the invitation to know him, there's never a better time than now. But even if you have responded in the past to saying, well, on the 3rd of January, 1987, I responded. And some of you were never even born by then. But nevertheless, if you had responded so long ago, there still is that invitation even today for us to respond to him. So my yes to him, whether 10 or 20 years or 10 weeks ago, does not necessarily still mean a yes today. The fact is, he's inviting us on a constant walk with Him. And that invitation, in a sense, is a daily one. And He says, come. And so, it does require a daily commitment to Him, to follow Him, to listen to Him, to obey Him, to become more like Him. <laughs> and so, just quickly then, how do we respond to these invitations? You know, like when you when you get a, a WhatsApp message and it's an invitation and you read it, and there's some specific things that we need to, even in... Considering the invitations that Jesus makes that we have to do and and act on. And so the first thing is, when you receive such an invitation, just as in a normal life, we open them. (laughs) Simple, hey? Just going to open the invitation. Understand what they really are by opening the scriptures and, and reading all about them. Read so that you can receive what the invitation is for. Simple. And I mean, we often talk about the importance of reading Scripture. So in a sense, what is written in the Bible so many times are invitations. And as we open those invitations, we realize that's what he's inviting me for. And so therefore, we have to open. The second thing we need to do about this invitation is we've got to explore it. And so we discover something more about them. The moment we study them, the moment we read up more about them, we look at how they relate to our lives. If Jesus has come and whatever it may be that he asks of us, said, okay, how will that relate to my life? And What are the implications of me responding? Like you would have responded to an invitation to a wedding. It meant that you needed to be there at such and such a time and such and such a place. Those are the implications of your response. Of how can I make it? Have I got time or what not? And the same with God's invitations. The third thing and last thing about how we respond to his invitations is we respond to them. We read them, we open them, we explore them, and then a very important thing, we respond to them. And this is obviously the most crucial one about all of this. We, we need to understand that there's a response required. And the reality is when Jesus invites us, he does in a sense, beg us for the right response. That's why it's important for us to know what it's about. So that we could respond well to Him. And so, the thing that we've got to understand, when we have studied them, we've got to realize that there is a godly response required. To say, yes, Jesus. As I said to you, we could have said 10 years years ago, we could have said yes, and the yes is still relevant today. So once we've read it, once we've studied it, we've got to say, okay, I've got to make a response here. And our trust is that every time you see an invitation in scripture, every time you become more aware of what he's inviting you to, that you and I will favorably respond to him. I believe the moment we start applying the invitations from him, Holy Spirit starts partnering with us in life and helps us in what we have been invited to. It's kind of like Jesus is saying, come with me. And once you say yes, Holy Spirit is there to help us to pursue what we have decided to do. Now, and imagine if we read the invitation and we hear the invitation, we study it and we say no. You know what we're actually saying no to? Is no to Holy Spirit who wants to partner with us in walking this through. And making it real in our lives. And so what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, I I don't think this is for me. So I I don't want you to engage me in this area of my life. Just stay out there. I'm okay with this. And so not only do we stay away from the place that God has invited us to come to and, and to come and occupy, we're actually saying no also to this incredible intimate walk with our friend, our guide, Holy Spirit. So tonight, I just want to give you two invitations. And as I said earlier on, there are plenty of invitations throughout the Bible. And particularly when you use the word come, and you go and study it, often it appears in the context of an invitation. Come with me. Come and behold. Jesus did it, and I'm going to just share with you two. And the first one is his invitation for us to know him. It's a very basic one, but it's an absolutely crucial one. And I want to ask you, in your Bibles, wherever you are at home, wherever you are listening to this, and if you have a Bible that you can page through, why don't you just do this um, with me and go to the gospel according to John and the first chapter, and that's where we're going to really stay. There's this wonderful moment that Jesus has with people that are about to become his disciples. And so in John chapter 1, Um, In verse 35, I'm going to read to you. and It says, the next day again, John, now this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. I love that. That John wasn't intimidated by Jesus. He knew what he'd come for. He needed to prepare the way for Jesus. And he was clear on that. And he just did it. He said, guys, I've done my share. Look, there is the real one. And so the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. How's that? His own disciples just kind of left him and went after Jesus. Verse 38, it says the following, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, verse 39, Come and you will see. So they came and saw he was, where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. <laughs> so Jesus here gives an invitation that I want to say is an invitation not to a place. It's an invitation to a person. Clearly, the chair for us represents a place that God calls us to which is a relational one. It is not one that's based on a place or a moment. And often in our Christian walk the danger of religion can come in where we say religion says I've got to go to a place <laughs> I've got to be there for that moment that's where I'll meet my God and hence these days when we don't have those moments on a Sunday particularly for instance we come together what are we doing how do we find Jesus that Jesus is not calling us to a place symbolically we're talking about a seat or a chair that we've got to occupy which is the invitation to walk with him And so Jesus here, when he said to them, come and you will see, he was not actually saying, come and you will see where I stay. He was saying, come and you will see me. That's what they needed to see. They had inquired about him, not because they also really wanted to know more about his house. It's like, hey, Jesus, I heard about this mansion that you've got. Why don't you just take us there? No, it had nothing to do with that. Jesus, they actually wanted also to just know more about him. They just heard, behold the Lamb of God. So they're like, where do you stay? And so they wanted to go to his place, but actually they wanted to go and see him. Just on a side note here, I just want to say, it's very good for us to have people around at our own homes. (laughs) Just the principle of meeting one another. And I know we've got certain restrictions at the moment but if they are all relaxed a little bit, maybe it'll be good for us to consider the, just the invitation that we can offer to one another. Don't just wait for the next Sunday moment to come to see each other. Why don't you reach out to one another? And I know maybe the physical thing would be difficult, but why don't you reach out to each other? Why don't you make contact with people that you often don't? And just say, hey, how are you? And if it's possible, let's see each other with all the restrictions in place. Side note, all right. Once they had been with Jesus, once they had responded to this invitation to come and see, listen to what it says here. Because once they had been, once we have been with Jesus or respond to this invitation, there's something that happens to us that we cannot be quiet or silent about. And it carries on in verse 40. It says, after they had been with him, and it says in verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak And followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now listen to this. Andrew didn't go and say to Simon or Peter, We have found a house. That's spectacular. you got to come and see this house, buddy. You've never seen anything like this, or maybe the country. You got to see this house, it's just dilapidated. You can't believe that somebody would manage. No, what he says is, We have found Messiah, we have found Jesus. And so, Jesus, although again, he invited them to a place, he invited them to himself. And so, when they report about what they had experienced, the report was, We had found not a place, we had found a person. And so, our relationship. An identity must always be about the person we worship, the person we meet with, not the place we worship from or the people we worship with. My identity is not that I'm a, I'm a Christian who belongs to King City Church here in Bulawayo and we worship at the Bridge Club when we can on, on Sundays. My identity is that I am a follower of Jesus and I have the pleasure and the privilege To meet with him. Every time of the day. It doesn't have to be a place. It doesn't have to be a moment. And this is what the disciples saw. And this is what they spoke about. Jesus said come and see. And what they then spoke about is what they saw. They saw him. My question to you. Just throwing this out. I want you to really consider this. These questions is. What are you seeing. As you engage him. And I know, we're not seeing anything physical. I'm not asking you what you're seeing physical. I'm asking, what are you seeing as you engage Jesus? Do you see more of Him? And are you being transformed by what you see? Because the fact is, if we're not seeing anything of Jesus, there's no way that I'm going to be able to talk about what I see or become what I look at. The reality is, again, there are so many things that we do look at. Do I, what I see, do I talk about the faults and failures of people around me as we together take our seats? Isn't it true that as, as believers, we, we're in this in this process where we're living life together and we're pursuing Jesus together. And, and often we can become so focused on what the others are doing that I'm talking about what they do or don't do instead of what I see from Jesus himself and through scripture and talking about that and relaying that to one another and saying, guys, I I see this and I know we can talk about all the other things that we're currently seeing in this nation or in this world, but I'm seeing something that's producing hope to me. That's what you and I need to see. That's what we need to talk about. You see that, excuse the pun, you see that in verse 45. The following, Philip found Nathanael, and we don't have time to go into all of this, but it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. We have seen him. That's what he's really saying. The son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. So that's what I'm trying to say is, the more we see him, the more we actually should be including and inviting others. We've been invited. Why don't you invite others? And the invitation is not to a place, not to a meeting, because at the moment you don't have that. The invitation is to a lifestyle and a living relationship with Him. Are there things, my question, are there things that you are seeing in your walk with Jesus today that you could share with others and so help them to see too? point is if you don't have anything to share you may be sitting on the chair and not focused on the one who invited you to take your seat in the first place you can be sitting you can be seated but actually not focused you're not there i remember years ago as in south africa i um, was on this beautiful beach and there's so much to enjoy on this beach and you can just sit and enjoy the waves and the beautiful scenery and I, and I remember seeing this man that I'd spoken to earlier on and uh, he was sitting there with his cell phone on the beach he hadn't come to enjoy the sand or the beach or the waves or the water he had come to sit on his cell phone and he was playing at that stage I think it was something like chess with on on some fancy or whatever app and um he was playing chess with another person like 100 kilometers away, somewhere else. And that's what they were doing, or he was doing. He was sitting on the beach, something so incredible to behold. But he was focused on something. I was like, man, that's sad. I'm like, there's so much to enjoy here. Now you're sitting with a cell phone and you're playing chess with somebody else. And guy would say X1, 2, X3, or whatever it is, How you do it. And then that's my focus. I'm like, I'm sitting on the chair. I can behold this incredible Christ, this amazing Savior. But I'm, I'm, I'm absorbed and overwhelmed by all the other things around me instead of the beauty of Christ. My plea to you is Jesus invites us to come and see him. Please don't miss out. Please don't miss out. The second thing I want to say that Jesus invites us to is, is to follow him. We read this in verse 43, this very Philip person that I just read about. It says in verse 43 of chapter 1, still in John. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now elsewhere in the Gospels, we often hear Jesus saying this to his disciples when he had called them at first. He says, follow me. Follow me. And so we we see that out of these seeing moments with him, He invites us not to only look at Him, but to follow Him. Not just, wow, wow. But there's something more that is required and that is a following of Him. I'm going to say this. If we have a correct perspective of who Jesus is, of seeing Him, then the words from Him that calls on us to follow Him will have immense effect. It's kind of like your brother calling you And at school, your headmaster calling you. (laughs) When your brother says, hey, come and pick up your books that are lying around on the lawn. You're like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it sometime. Uh, If it's not going to happen in a while, then it's not an issue. But when the headmaster says that to you, like, yay, yes, sir, immediately, sir. It depends on who says it. And your perspective of the headmaster or the brother will determine your immediate action or not. I just do want to say to you that our perspective of Jesus determines how we respond to his invitations. If he says follow me and we think of him as as someone that came and did a wonderful thing and it was great what he did and but his authority in my life and, and the role that he plays in my life is minimal, then my response to that will be limited and will be delayed but the moment i recognize who jesus is and i understand that he came and he died for me and he gave everything for me and he and he surrendered his will so that my life can be saved i realize this is the king that gave everything for me and on top of that he loves me and he is the king and he's the ruler of the universe and he's much higher than any headmaster or king here on earth would ever be i'm like I don't think I want to consider my response. I to immediately say, yes, I want to follow him. So, we're invited to journey, not to him only, but we're invited to journey with him. And so when Jesus says, come and see, it's not just come and see into a place or to a moment. He says, come and see me. But then he says, come and follow me. He says, I want you to journey with me. Not just to a place and to a moment. And this journey then includes becoming more aware of him and less of me. Along this journey invites and calls us to leave our self-centered life and, and, and enter one where he becomes the focus. When he says follow me, that's what he actually is saying. Leave what is your focus. And I know practically in the Bible, in the Gospels, he, he called his disciples and they gave up their very occupation that they were busy with. I'm not saying that you should now leave being a teacher and become a lawyer, whatever it may be. I'm just saying that we say, Lord, whatever was my focus, I want it to be your focus. My life should center on you. Where we previously attended to our own needs, now become something where we constantly attend to what he expects of us. When he says, come and follow me. That's what it means to occupy the seat. And we become more these constant attendants or apprentices to his expectations by, firstly, continue listening to his voice and to the values that we find in his word. We observe how he treated people and dealt with everyday issues in life. And we say, that's how he did it. I want to follow suit. I want to be his apprentice in that. In order for us to become his messengers to mankind, I want to be like him. That's what God calls us. Because Jesus said, when he called his disciples in Matthew and Mark, he said to them these words. He said, come and follow me and I will make you fishes of men. So the point is, we come, we see. We come, we follow. We, we journey with him. And then he turns us into these messengers to mankind that you and I have been called to. And so we don't need, there are no regulations that could ever stop us and should ever stop us from being that to people, by the way. Now, whether it's COVID regulations or whatever it may be, we are always called to bring a message of hope to people. And So when Jesus offered this invitation, he had this in mind. When Jesus sends you and I an invitation to come and sit, he has ultimately, he has in mind for us, not just to look at him, not just to follow him, but to make men turn to him too, or not make them, but help them become what God wants them to be through the way that we testify to them. The problem can be that in the midst of an invitation to follow him, we still can be stuck in our old ways and methods. I want to take you later on um, into John as we come to the end of this moment together. John chapter 8. There's this incredible portion that I want you to see because when we're invited to, to him, to follow him, to do what he wants us to do, Often there are things that can prevent us. And Jesus touches on something here. In John chapter 8, verse 34, I'm going to read to you from. Jesus answered them and says, Truly, truly, i say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Wonderful verse. Then in verse 37, he says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. How's that, eh? Even if you're offspring of Abraham, you're my people actually, he's saying to them. Yet you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word finds no place in you. How's that? So when we are invited to this walk with him, this deceit this, this that you and I have have to occupy. If the word of God does not find place in our hearts, we can sit here forever. And we may go to heaven, but until we go to heaven, we're of no use to God because his word, Jesus said to them, you want to kill me because the word, my word has not found place. You're not accommodating what I'm asking of you. So folks, simply, We've got to understand that when the word finds a place in our hearts, we become changed. We become useful to him. So again, praise the Lord that you've found your seat, that you've started your walk. And i speak to those of you that have done that. And if you haven't, please, again, we'd love to help you find your, your relationship with Jesus and start that. And it's wonderful that we somewhere have started But we've got to keep on allowing our hearts to be open so that the Word of God can find a place in our hearts. If it doesn't, we remain the same and actually just sit in a chair without observing Him, without being changed, without being useful. We're just there. I conclude by saying to you that the invitation is not just to sit And be served. The invitation is to lay down our lives for a greater cause than my own. The invitation is not just come and behold how great it is to be born again and one day get to heaven. There's much more to our lives that he invites us to. For the for the disciples, it meant leaving their present occupation and giving all to follow Jesus, forsaking all. Today, there still remains a sacrifice. In accepting this invitation for you and me where we say god i give all so that you can be all in my life it's not just to sit on a chair it's not just to behold at him behold him and just look at him and it's great to do that i agree i love just diving into the word of god and seeing more about him but there's more it is to follow it is to observe what he asks it is to do what he says It is to go where He directs. Because through responding to this invitation, I actually hand over control of my life. That's how serious it is. It's not just for that moment that I hand it over. It's for my entire life. And my prayer is that every invitation that we read about in the Word of God is a call to walk with Him. And it's a call to walk for Him. I'm going to repeat that. Every invitation that we find is a call to walk with Him as we get to know Him, as we see who He is, and we start responding to Him. And that is also an invitation to walk for Him. Because our purpose here on earth is to glorify Him the way that we walk. My prayer is, please respond favorably. With all of your heart, say, Jesus, Jesus, the seat that you have for me, I want to
0: occupy, and i live for you. God bless you. The invitation has been called out. It has been laid out for all of us to come to walk with him and to walk for him. Right now, at this moment, I want to talk to, to a specific individual or specific individuals. How many of us remember holding the war? Most of us do not know what holding the wall is, but if you went to boarding school, holding the wall was a posture where it seemed like you were sitting with no chair, there's no chair, but your hands are out and there's this posture that you're sitting. Initially, it seems quite easy, but after some time, there is a weight on your shoulders, your muscles start screaming, your knees just want to give up and buckle, and things just want to, everything just wants to collapse. And imagine if I came and offered you a chair, would you take that chair? Would you say no to that chair? And so right now, what Vesey has been speaking about is just exactly that. Most of us have been holding up the wall, weight upon our, our shoulders. But Jesus Christ calls us to come and rest. Come and find rest, and you will take away your burdens. So at this moment, I want to pray for those who do not know Jesus Christ, but also those who have neglected in living in the Word of God and neglected in, in standing up for the Word of God. There is a weight on your shoulder, and I want to pray that God removes that weight, and you say yes to that seat. So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Father God, that those who say yes to the seat of Father God, may they find rest. May they find rest, Father God, from all that their hands have labored to do, O oh Father God. May you, Father God, as you say in Isaiah 55, come and buy bread that you do not, at no price, at no cost, and have water at no cost. So Father God, I thank you for this salvation which was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ and is at no cost to us. In the name of Jesus, amen.